Welcome to Adapt, episode 12. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host Federico Vitici. How are you doing today, Federico? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? Doing pretty good. We have done a lot of shortcuts coverage these last several Mm. episodes, and we will continue with that because there's just so much new in iOS and iPadOS 13. And as we'll get to a little bit today, the Shortcuts team continues pumping out new features. So this week, iPadOS 13.2 came out, and with it, there are some Shortcuts improvements. So we're going to talk about that, but then something we need to talk about first is that last episode, we got into parameters, um, this right. this new concept in shortcuts this year, where you have uh, just the flexibility of selecting, you know, on the fly from a variety of different options that that apps can can give to the shortcuts app, where, you know, different data points um, that without the need for URL schemes, different data points can be selected right inside the shortcuts UI to make your shortcut do different things. And it it offers a lot more power, a lot more flexibility. And we talked about that last time, but there's kind of a second half to the story of parameters, which is what they enable um, primarily with Siri. Um, so we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. So so what, what do parameters do to help Siri and Siri interactions with shortcuts um, become more natural and more capable in, in the release that we're on now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the the way that Apple built parameters, um, it is so different from before where in iOS 12 and in the old shortcuts app, each action was a fixed block that performed something and always required a fixed variable uh, to perform that action. With parameters, it's a completely different story. A parameter has the advantage of being able to be resolved at runtime. That means that if you have an action that contains a parameter and that parameter has not been set by you, so let's say that you want to send a message, but the mess, the body text um, portion of the message is a parameter. And if you don't fill in the parameter beforehand, you just leave it empty. Or maybe you leave um, ask each time as a default value. When you invoke the shortcut inside Siri, or as I call it, in UI mode inside the shortcuts app, the shortcut will still work. It'll just stop when it reaches that action, and it'll say, look, this parameter is empty. What do you want to do with it? Uh, you wanna f- what's the message that you want to send? And this right here is the key aspect of parameters. They can be resolved, which means they can be filled in by you with data at runtime, which means when the shortcut is running, uh, the shortcut can pause and it can resolve, meaning it can ask you uh, what you want to do with that parameter. And this design and this functionality has allowed Apple to bring interactivity to shortcuts running inside Siri. Apple calls this uh, conversational mode and it wasn't possible before in iOS 12. And the way that it works at a high level is that certain actions, such as choose from list, choose from menu, ask for input, and dictate text, they will now work when you're running a shortcut inside Siri. In iOS 12, if you used to have these actions in a shortcut that required some level of user interaction, such as picking one item from a list of items, um, Siri would stop and he would launch the shortcuts app and he would take you to, to the shortcut in, 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 in UI mode so that you could finish running the shortcut there. In iOS 12, thanks to parameters, these actions can work inside Siri. And thanks to conversational mode, you can have lists, you can have menus, you can have dictation inside Siri within the context of the voice assistant. Um, and as I mentioned, in addition to these actions, which are very common and you know any moderately advanced shortcut uses these actions uh, sooner or later, um, every parameter, regardless of the action that it's using, every parameter supports dynamic uh, resolution. <laughs> uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a simpler way, it means that every action that has a parameter 
um, can be left, uh, you know, you can leave the parameter empty and you can decide what to do with it when you're running the shortcut inside Siri. Siri will just stop and it'll say um, something like, what's the message? Or um, what's the list uh, if you're using a task manager? So the idea would be that you don't, you no longer have to be taken out of Siri and into the shortcuts app. Thanks to parameters and thanks to conversational mode, you can stay within the assistant. And this means a few things. Um, first of all, it means that the power of shortcuts can be extended to all kinds of other devices where you may not have a shortcuts app, such as, for example, the Apple Watch, uh, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, or the HomePod, because all interactions can be voice only uh, in that parameters and conversational actions can be mapped to voice, it means that you can run a shortcut from start to finish entirely using your voice on a HomePod or on an iPad or while wearing your AirPods or stuff like that. Um, and additionally, running a shortcut inside Siri is not just taking the shortcut and making it work inside Siri. It means that you can leverage the natural language support of the Siri Assistant as you would normally talk to Siri while using a shortcut. And to give you an example, Ryan, um, if you have a shortcut that brings up a list of items and this list says, uh, I don't know, Mac Stories, 9 to 5 Mac, and Daring Fireball, and you have this list and it comes up in Siri and Siri asks you, which website do you want to open? You don't, because it's the assistant and because Siri understands natural language, you don't need to say exactly 9 to 5 Mac or Mac stories. You can just say the second one or the last one. So you can just, you can use natural language to interact with actions from shortcuts while they're presented inside Siri. And that is because Siri applies its existing natural language support to let you interact with shortcuts when you're using your voice, which I think it's really an excellent design, uh, design decision. And I guess the bigger theme, uh, and I kind of want to know what you think about this, is that because shortcuts, thanks to parameters and thanks to conversational mode, they can be used entirely within Siri, it's almost as if third-party actions for shortcuts can become native Siri features in that once you put together a shortcut and you invoke a third-party action and it works just like any other Siri feature, it's almost as if it were a native Siri feature. Like, you don't tell the difference. You can still use your voice and you can still see a preview of the action as a snippet inside Siri. And it's almost as if this has become a way for developers to supplement functionality that Siri doesn't have and so the more apps you download from the App Store, the more powerful and flexible and personal Siri becomes for you. Yeah, this was, it's just a major improvement from last year because, you know, last year we kind of got a taste of what it would be to run shortcuts via Siri. And it was okay. Certainly it was better than not having any Siri support at all, like when the shortcuts app was Workflow before, but it was so limited. It was as if Siri had no concept of anything to do with your shortcut other than this one specific thing that you, you give it a command and it does that exact thing every time. But outside of that, Siri was just clueless if you tried to, you know, input a, a parameter of some sort, right? If you tried to give a specific input, Siri couldn't do it. Siri had no idea what you were talking about. You had to be very precise, and Apple's philosophy with Siri from the beginning, you know, whether it's executed on that philosophy or not can be debated, but its philosophy has been that you should be able to speak to the assistant like you would speak to another person and have it understand you. And that certainly wasn't the case with shortcuts in the past. And so the fact that you can do that now, and because Siri has all this added intelligence via shortcuts and parameters about what all an app is capable of. You can set up these shortcuts that, that do so many different things, and it really is like you're programming Siri itself, like you said, with, with native features that aren't offered by 
you know, a specific uh, Siri domain that Apple has officially supported, such as, you know, messaging or ride sharing or things like that, um, you can you can build those things yourself. And and it works with Siri, which I, I'm just amazed at how much Apple's team was able to do this year, because it's one thing to, you know, integrate the shortcuts app into iOS and iPadOS as a whole, and then give you parameters, give you the flexibility of being able to do so much more within the UI of the shortcuts app itself, but then to extend all of that to Siri also, so that whatever powerful automation you build inside shortcuts, you can run that and interact with it entirely by voice. Um, it, it's a lot. <laughs> it, and it, mm-hmm. um, again, I think it fits with the angle of shortcuts this year both became much more powerful and a lot more accessible because you know there's there's little that's that's more accessible than just talking to a voice assistant right mm-hmm. you you may not like the idea or you're not comfortable with the idea of of running a shortcut inside the UI of the shortcuts app and seeing kind of it it progress from top to bottom and everything that it's doing that might be a little overwhelming but if you have a shortcut set up that works with Siri and you can just talk to the assistant and speak naturally, then it makes automation so much more accessible to you. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Um, I mentioned the Apple Watch, Ryan. Oh, and by the way, I should say that um, because of all these app integrations, I'm thinking of new ways to uh, better indicate in the short, in the Mac Stories Shortcuts Archive um, to better indicate in each shortcut whether it requires a third-party action. And I know that you can see this information when, when, you, when you install a shortcut. You can see that it comes with a third-party action and you can see it in the permissions um, once you grant access to that app. But, I'm, uh, but I still want to see if there's a better way for me to show off on, on, you know, in, the, in the shortcut download boxes. Um, make sure that you have this app installed. It's one of the things that I'm considering because of uh, third-party actions are so convenient now, but I want to make sure that people know before downloading a shortcut that it requires a third-party app from the App Store. Um, I was saying, I mentioned the Apple Watch. You can now run shortcuts on the Apple Watch thanks to the just-launched watchOS 6.1 update, which came out a couple of days ago. Uh, This is not working for me. I have an open uh, (laughs) feedback report with Apple and I believe they just requested more information um, using a Siri login profile on my iPhone uh, because I believe that my shortcuts library is not syncing to the watch. There's no shortcuts app on the watch, but the way that this works, my understanding is shortcuts are being shared between the iPhone and the Apple Watch, but my Apple Watch is not recognizing any command. When I try to say you run this shortcut, it says, I do not recognize that command. Siri on the, on the Apple Watch does not recognize the command. So I, I have an open feedback report with Apple uh, to get to the bottom of this, and hopefully it'll be fixed soon. But right now, I have no idea. Are these working for you, Ryan? Have you tested them? I haven't been able to try them yet because I've just updated my watch, and I was a little unsure about, is this... Because um, obviously, like you said, there's no shortcuts app. But one yeah. thing that you have been able to do in the past is run shortcuts from the Siri watch face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen those. And there's actually been some issues with the Siri watch face in watchOS 6, which I'm hoping 6.1 will fix. I haven't been running the 6.1 beta. Um, and so I, I don't know if this, you know, what's enabled in 6.1 helps at all when it comes to running shortcuts from the Siri face or even... Really, the main issue has been um, having shortcuts suggested on the Siri face because I'm not even seeing them. And even some that I've seen in the past uh, haven't been visible. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, but yeah, so I haven't tried by voice. Do you know if, you know if it is running properly, is it essentially going to be like a, like a HomePod type experience where it's just entirely by voice or is the watch actually capable of showing some sort of UI as well? Well, I would like to know that, right? <laughs> I I have no idea. I mean, in theory, the Apple Watch is capable of showing you buttons and lists and stuff like that. So it sh- in theory, there should be 
some degree on, of interactivity, but that's all in theory. I, I would love to see what it looks like. I have some shortcuts that present, uh, that present list of items, uh, but like I said, this is completely unusable for me. But if you're running 13.2 and watchOS 6.1, um, you should test it and let us know uh, on Twitter uh, if it works or not. I would love to see what it's like. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you think that... Is this something that is dependent on your watch being connected to your phone as well? So, for example, if you were on cellular out for a run, would you be able to run a shortcut in theory? Or do you know if that's how it's supposed to work? No idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, the whole thing is broken, and I just got an email from, from the Apple feedback um, team saying uh, we requested you install this special profile on your phone so that we can have more analytics from you to understand what's going on. Uh, so we'll see. That, sh that should be fun. Um, also new in 13.2, there's a bunch of fixes and improvements. Um, you can now undo... Uh, I mean, you were able to undo in a shortcut before, but now when you undo an action, in addition to undoing, like, uh, moving actions around, you can also undo parameter changes. So if you undo, if you modify a parameter and then you undo uh, in iOS 13.2, you will be able to revert that parameter change that wasn't possible before. Uh, there are new colors when running uh, actions in the shortcuts editor. They look really nice. Like the current action is highlighted in green, and it's 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 got like a progress bar uh, as its background color. It's very nice. Um, there's a a new handoff playback action. I wrote about this on Mac Stories a few days ago. You can now use shortcuts to hand off music playback uh, from your iPhone to or your iPad to uh, HomePod or any other AirPlay speaker or an Apple TV. And uh, there's a if you're using music or podcasts, it works better uh, because Apple can do some proprietary stuff to uh, basically transfer. Uh, directly the current audio session from music and podcasts to the HomePod. But if you want to try with the audio playing from a third-party app, it'll just start an AirPlay streaming session uh, between the iOS device or iPadOS device and the destination speaker. Uh, and of course, if the app supports AirPlay 2, it's going to use AirPlay 2. If the app supports AirPlay 1, it's going to use AirPlay 1. Uh, so that's nice. Um, I complained about this in my iOS review um, in September. Remember, Ryan, when in iOS 12, you used to be able to type natural language dates in, in shortcuts, and shortcuts would tell you, yes, this is a valid date. Like if you typed tomorrow at 3 p.m., the date action would tell you this is valid date, and if it was not, it would tell you invalid date. Um, that was removed. For some reason, in iOS 13.0 and 13.1, um, date validation was not available anymore. So if you typed into a date action and the date was something gibberish that wasn't actually a date, the shortcut would continue uh, without telling you beforehand, look, this is not a date. Well, now date validation is back. So if you have a date action and you put in ask each time, for example, so that every time the action comes up and you type in a date, It'll tell you at the bottom of the screen, yes, this is a correct uh, date. We recognize the date you can continue, which is a very nice touch. Um, I'm very happy about this, and I'm going uh, I'm, I'm gonna to tweet about this. Um, Apple has improved the new security system called Allow Untrusted Shortcuts. Um, so it used to be that this setting, which is off by default in iOS 13, prevents people from installing shortcuts made by other people, like myself. Um, and you need to enable, if you want to install shared shortcuts made by other people, you need to enable this setting, located in, short, in settings, shortcuts, allow untrusted shortcuts. It's a toggle that requires typing in your passcode. Um, but this setting, this was very confusing. This setting wouldn't appear at all unless you had run at least one shortcut once. So if you had run a shortcut, any shortcut in the shortcuts app, you would have the setting and then you could be able to enable the setting. But if you hadn't run any shortcut 
and just came across Mac Stories and installed the shortcut, you would get an error saying uh, your security settings prevent shared shortcuts from being installed, but you wouldn't even know where to find the setting because the setting was hidden by default. Well, now this has been improved, thankfully, in 13.2. The setting is always shown now in the settings app. It's grayed out and there's a message that says uh, you need to run shortcut uh, one time uh, before you can enable allow untrusted shortcuts. So uh, I got so many people on Twitter over the past month, Ryan, asking me, uh, yeah, but I don't see the setting to enable. And I'm like, okay, you need to run a shortcut at least once and then the setting will appear. Uh, so I'm very happy that, that Apple clarified <laughs> this aspect. Um, and yeah, finally, there's a bunch of fixes in 13.2, in shortcuts for 13.2. I've been reporting a lot of them to Apple. Fixes for the App Store, fixes for the share sheet. Um, it's a pretty good update. But yeah, I, the Apple Watch stuff, I hope that I can get it working soon. Okay, yeah, so we will have at least one more episode to talk through shortcuts because, believe it or not, we haven't covered it all yet. There's a really big subject that we mm. haven't talked about at all, which is automations, which perhaps is the biggest feature request that that users had after iOS 12's Shortcuts app debuted, the ability to run shortcuts automatically in the background, um, or in some cases, uh, the way automations work, you can have a, sh a notification pop-up that prompts you to run the shortcut. We'll get into all the details of that next time, but there's more to cover. But for now, I am extremely excited about this challenge that you did, Federico, <laughs> because... You know, as I've shared in the past, lots of times I approach these challenges, whether ones for myself or ones that I give you, as you know, there's some some issue that I want to deal with, or some you know something that I want to do with my iPad that I don't know if I can do or not, and I will either ask you to come up with a way to do it, um, or you know, we'll talk ahead of time and you'll give me a challenge that gives me an excuse to do something I was hoping to do anyways. And this time, I, I actually asked you, I don't remember when it was, maybe a month or month and a half ago, um, mm -hmm. if there was a way. Oh, I remember now. So it was around the time that you were launching the Mac Story Shortcuts icons. Um, yes. And I was thinking through, how can I you know, better optimize my home screen to use these shortcuts icons that you and Sylvia created. And the first thought that came to my mind was, oh, I would love to launch files and folders from my home screen. And so I asked you and you're like, yeah, no, that's that's not possible with shortcuts, at least um, based on, you know, what you had mm -hmm. experienced to that point. You've done some work these last couple of weeks and you have come up with something that I know I am going to find extremely useful, and I think a lot of our listeners will as well. So just as a quick reminder, my challenge to you was to recreate as much as possible mm. a Mac's desktop environment on the iPad's home screen. So, you know, already you can put apps there. You've got widgets. Those are useful. But files and folders were the big thing that we're missing as far as helping the iPad home screen be more familiar to people who are used to working on a Mac um, or even just more powerful for people like me who I've been using an iPad as my main computer for years now, but I would still love to be able to access files and folders more quickly from the home screen, especially now that in iPad OS, there are more home screen slots. So I can fit up to 30 apps on my home screen. And so I, I want to use that extra space. So what have you done, Federico? Well, um, this turned out to be much, <laughs> much more involved than I initially expected. But it also ended up being, I, I believe, one of the one of the most fascinating things I've done in shortcuts um, over the past few months, and I've learned a lot. And um, it's sort of a, it, it ended up being this project that I'm gonna share here on Adapt on Mac Stories and on Club Mac Stories, sort of uh, this crossover approach. Um, 
All right, so I managed to find a way to launch files and folders in the Apple Files app directly using shortcuts. If you launch a file, it opens that individual file in Quick Look. If you launch a folder, it, navig it just navigates to that folder directly in the Files app. Um, I've been thinking about what you said, that you wanted to have icons for individual files and folders. And even though I, I don't exactly have a need for launching specific documents, folders are something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, and I know that a lot of people, a lot of listeners, and a lot of Mac Stories readers do want to be able to launch individual files or specific folders or subfolders using shortcuts. Now, this is not possible to do in shortcuts alone. Um, shortcuts is still limited when it comes to file management and automation. Shortcuts is still limited to, it, to its own sandbox located in iCloud Drive slash shortcuts. If you want to poke outside of that sandbox, you always need to use the files picker. Shortcuts is extremely limited when it comes to uh, interacting with the files app in an automated fashion. So I knew right away that I needed to employ a companion utility. And I had a feeling that I could do this using Scriptable. Now, Scriptable is a JavaScript uh, programming app. It lets you program and uh, access native iOS functionalities in JavaScript. So the app acts as a bridge between the JavaScript language and native iOS functionalities. Uh, I wrote about this app on Mac Stories before. There's going to be a bunch of links in the show notes that you can check out for my previous experiments with Scriptable. And there's a particular feature in Scriptable that is called file bookmarks that I wanted to look into as a, as a way to make this happen. Now, file bookmarks are a native iOS functionality that Apple released a couple of years ago. It's a native app API made by Apple that Shortcuts itself does not use, but Scriptable, which is a third-party app, does use. Now, with file bookmarks, what you can do is you can grant a third-party app or any app, really, that uses it um, permanent access to a specific location, which can be a file or it can be a folder, located anywhere in the file system of the files app. Basically, you to create a file bookmark in Scriptable, you open settings, you open Scriptable, you open the app's settings, um, and then you select file bookmarks, and then you choose, do you want to create a bookmark for a file or a folder? And you select which one you want to do, and then a file speaker shows up. So the native uh, document picker for the files app appears. And this is how you do it. You uh, pick a file or you pick a folder, and you give it a name, you give a name to this bookmark, and this bookmark will then be permanently stored inside Scriptable. Thanks to this bookmark, Scriptable in the future will be able to retrieve the bookmarked file or read files from or write files to the bookmarked folder. It's a way to poke a hole in the sandbox and say, this file or this folder is okay to use in the future without requesting my interaction and my permission every time in this app. So you create a bookmark that creates a direct link between scriptable and a file or a folder so that every time you don't need to manually navigate the document picker. Now, the trick that I discovered is that when you create these bookmarks, in scriptable, you can read the complete file system path of a folder or a file. This is the actual URL of that item, whether it's a file or a folder, as it's located within the iOS file system. It looks something like this, private slash var slash mobile slash library slash mobile documents, and then a bunch of gibberish, and then the name of the file or the folder. 
You may have seen these directories before, if you've ever jailbroken your iPhone, or if you've ever, I don't know, tried to read the file system path of a system folder on the Mac, right? If you do, you know, something like that with the terminal, for example. This is the full, complete URL, local URL, of a file or a folder. And I knew that this was the case before, but I just thought, you know, Scriptable can read these paths, but they're useless. There's nothing you can do with them. Well, turns out that I discovered this new trick in iOS 13. I'm not sure if it was also supported in iOS 12. But if you put a URL scheme before this file system path, it'll open the files app and navigate directly to that file or that folder. And the URL scheme is shared documents for some reason. It's shared documents, colon, double slash. So if you put this before the file system URL of that document or that folder, it'll open the files app and it'll preview the file or open the folder. And once I knew this, I knew that I had a way to make this happen. To, to make your challenge happen. Are you following so far, Ryan? Does this make sense so far? Yeah, no, it does. Okay, okay. So you can create bookmarks in Scriptable. You can get the file system path in Scriptable. And then if you use a URL scheme, put it before the path of the file or the folder, you can launch it. Now, I knew that I wanted to... This was an involved solution. As soon as I figured it out, I had like a bunch of scripts in Scriptable and a bunch of shortcuts in, in the Shortcuts app, and I needed to bring it all together in one simple, cohesive experience to let you and our listeners and our Mac Stories readers easily create these bookmarks and these shortcuts for uh, items, uh, for files, and for folders. So I ended up creating this shortcut that is called FS bookmarks it stands for file system um, and it's a comprehensive shortcut that lets you create new bookmarks for files and folders as well as retrieve the file system path of those files and folders by using scriptable unlike other shortcuts you may have seen before that invoke scriptable to do some other things in this one, you don't need to manually, you don't need to, to download JavaScript files separately. You don't need to even know what's going on. You don't even need to look at the JavaScript itself. The shortcut can install scripts for you inside Scriptable. It'll guide you through the process. It'll say, okay, make sure that Scriptable is installed. Once it's installed, I'm going to install the first script for you. And you tap OK, it'll take you to Scriptable. And a window comes up saying, do you want to add the script? Yes. Then you go back and Shortcut says, OK, now I need to install the second and final script for you. So it guides you through the entire process. You don't need to touch JavaScript at all. It's a script that, it's a two scripts that I made. And these two scripts are necessary uh, to create bookmarks and to retrieve uh, the paths of, of those bookmarks for you. And so when you run FS bookmarks, uh, you go through this initial setup, which you only need to do once uh, as soon as you run it the first time. And then you will be able to either create a new file bookmark, create a new folder bookmark, or retrieve the URL of an existing file or folder bookmark that you may have previously created within Scriptable. Um, there's a few details here that I need to share. In iOS 13.2, you can create new bookmarks for files, not folders, without leaving the Shortcuts app. Uh, Scriptable allows you to create a new file bookmark with an action that is available in Shortcuts, which is part of my shortcut, uh, without leaving the Shortcuts app. It just runs within Shortcuts. You pick a file, so a document picker comes up, 
You pick a file, can be a PDF or a JPEG photo or a spreadsheet. You wait a few seconds, the bookmark is created, and you end up with a file system path that you can use to create a file launcher. If you want to create a folder bookmark due to limitations of the Shortcuts app, you will need to do so in Scriptable. Uh, Shortcuts does not have a folder picker. That's the problem. Shortcuts is only a file picker. So if you want to create a bookmark to a folder, you will need to open Scriptable, open Settings, tap File Bookmarks, and then manually create a folder bookmark. Once you've done that, you can go back to FS Bookmarks, my shortcut, and say, get the path of an existing bookmark. Then you select Folder, and Scriptable will open in a second. Uh, you will see Scriptable launch, and then it will take you back to Shortcuts, and you will have the path to that file or that folder in your clipboard that you can use. I've tried to make this process whether it's about the setup or creating new bookmarks or launching, you know, uh, doing the back and forth between Scriptable and Shortcuts as seamless as possible. Uh, there's multiple alerts that guide you through the process. They tell you what to do. And once you get the hang of how it all works, you can create dozens of bookmarks in a, in a couple of minutes. I believe it's super easy, but... I want to ask you, Ryan, I sent you the shortcut today. Uh, how was it? Like setting it up and I know that, I don't think you, you, you write JavaScript in Scriptable. So uh, was the experience easy enough? Were the explanations easy enough for you to set up? Yes. Yeah. So you, I mean, you did exactly what you just described, which is you made it as easy as possible. You wrote in different uh, descriptions and instructions for what's going to happen next and what needs to be done next. And yeah, I I am not comfortable with JavaScript. And <laughs> if, if I had to do anything with that, it would be uh, not so great. So yeah, it's, it's super easy. Um, like you said, the first time you run it, there's a little more configuration that needs to happen. So that's the most complicated that it gets. And even then it's really simple. Um, but then after that, I mean, I've made a number of of my own home screen shortcuts now already for mm -hmm. different folders and files, and I am going to be doing that even more. So uh, it's right. it's great. I'm 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 amazed that you were able to do this. To be honest, I like because you know obviously I went to you before asking, oh, is this something that can be done? Because I figure if anyone can do it, it would be you. And so the fact that you said no. You know, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, then the answer is definitely no. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that you that you found a way uh, because this is this is really really useful. I mean, for me at least, and and maybe I, I'm I'm sure there are lots of other people who regularly access different files and folders, and mm -hmm. and now you can you can do it from your home screen. It's incredible. Um, I mean, one question I have, which yeah, um, I should have tested this, but I I did this with several files and folders in iCloud Drive. Does it work with mm. other file providers just as well? Um, file, um, files app file providers. I uh, not at the moment. Okay. I I don't. So I could add support for on my iPad or on my iPhone. Okay, but that's coming later, I believe. For now, I I wanted to just make it work with iCloud Drive. Right. I'm not sure how. I haven't tested it with third-party file providers. Uh, Scriptable has an API that is called the, the, the file, management, file Manager for iCloud. Okay. So it does work by default with iCloud Drive, and that's what I've uh, built the shortcut for in this first version. Um, I can see if I can make it work uh, with local storage and, and third-party uh, file providers, for sure. Yeah, um, I was just curious. I Personally, I have... 99% of my files in iCloud Drive. Okay. So what okay. it does now is, is perfect for me. Um, but yeah, that's just a question mm -hmm. that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, as I said, this is a hybrid shortcuts plus scriptable setup. And, and, and I wanted to make sure that the shortcuts could install the scripts for you so that, you know, there's very little friction in the whole setup for, for people. Um, so once you run FS bookmarks, uh, 
you end up with this file system path in your clipboard and you can put together the launcher yourself. Uh, you create a new shortcut and you use the shared documents column double slash, then you paste the file system path and you open that URL and it'll work. But I've also done something extra <laughs> to make this process easier, uh, which brings me to Club Mac stories. So, so I put together what I call SLC. It stands for Shortcuts Launcher Creator. Um, let me see the, ve the best way to describe this. Okay, so it's a shortcut. So bear with me. SLC, it's a shortcut that creates new shortcuts for you. It's a shortcut that creates shortcuts programmatically. So you don't need to put them together yourself. The idea would be that when you want to create any kind of launcher for any kind of URL, it can be a Safari web page, it can be an Apple Music song or album, it can be a URL scheme for any third-party app, or it can be a file system bookmark. You run SLC and it creates a new shortcut for you, with that URL, you just need to install the shortcut and everything is already pre-filled and pre-made and it's just, it's ready to be used. You can add it to the home screen, you can use it as a widget, you can do whatever you want. So you may wonder, how can a shortcut create another shortcut? Well, I've also been learning about the underlying format that shortcuts uses to store the individual shortcuts. And I may have mentioned this before, but individual shortcuts are basically XML files wrapped up in a .plist document. And once you look, you can look at the structure of a shortcut uh, as an XML document. And you can see like how actions are marked up in the XML syntax. You can see the necessary metadata that you need to include so SLC as a basic template, a basic XML template that creates a, a shortcut with a single open URL action and the URL field is pre-filled for you with the launcher that you want to create. And that allowed me to essentially generate a shortcut using the syntax alone and using iCloud as a way to install the shortcut. In iOS 12, you could install a shortcut without uploading it to iCloud first. That's been removed in iOS 13. Still, SLC doesn't open Safari at iCloud.com. It takes you directly to the iCloud installation screen inside the shortcuts app. Ryan has also used this, and I believe he can attest to, the, to just how easy it is. Um, you can use SLC in a bunch of ways. Uh, from the share sheet, in any app that shares a link, you can share the link to Shortcuts Launcher Generator uh, Creator, and it'll take you to Shortcuts, uh, and it'll say, add the shortcut. And the shortcut is already made, ready for you to be used. You can use it manually. So you can just run the shortcuts inside the shortcuts app and it'll ask you to enter a URL that you want to create a launcher for. Or you can put this shortcut at the end of FS bookmarks and it'll create a new file or folder launcher for you. Um, I don't know, Ryan, what, again, let me ask you, was this easy enough for you uh, to set up? Have you created launchers this way? I have. And it's funny because, I mean, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that sounds like a whole lot of work. And that sounds really complicated. And is, is that really the same shortcut that I was using earlier <laughs> that was just super easy? Um, I mean, I, I think that's, that's one of the best, best forms of automation is when it is extremely complex behind the scenes, and yet for the user, it's just dead simple, and, and that's how it was for me. So it's funny hearing, hearing the backstory mm. of, of how you yeah. got to that point. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of trial and error uh, with, um, 
with the shortcut syntax. So I've been playing around with the shortcut syntax, the XML a lot. I actually made a shortcut uh, called shortcut merger that lets you merge multiple shortcuts together, but I'm not releasing it because I ran into a bug. Uh, so basically, m many of the actions uh, within shortcuts have a when you when you take a look under the hood at the syntax, they have a unique identifier. And I still have to figure out a way to create my own unique identifiers. Uh, because if they're not valid, the shortcut that you create this way will not work. It'll, just, it'll forget variables or it'll confuse one variable for another. It's a whole mess. Uh, thankfully, uh, the shortcut launchers that you create with uh, SLC, they do not require a unique identifier. So they're just plain syntax. It's just a single open URL action. It requires nothing else. So it'll always work. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of work to understand how can I create shortcuts programmatically? So instead of having to use drag and drop, how can I use automation to create shortcuts for me? And I think this is a good way to sort of dip your toe into this idea of, um, and, and in a similar way to how uh, FS Bookmarks installs scripts for you uh, SLC installs launchers for you. So you don't... I wanted to remove even that tiny bit of friction that involves, you know, creating a new shortcut and getting the open URL action and pasting in. Um, there's a bunch of um, complexities that SLC removes. If it finds a file system path, it pre-adds the shared document URL scheme for you. If it finds uh, an Apple Music link, it replaces HTTPS with music, which is the URL scheme that takes you directly into the music app without opening Safari first. Uh, there's a bunch of, you know, uh, removing friction because I know that a lot of uh, people that do not necessarily spend a couple of hours each day playing around with shortcuts every day like me, uh, a lot of those folks are going to install these things. And I wanted to make it easy for them and to make sure that I have a system that is end-to-end -end so that you download it, and as much as possible, you don't need to think about anything else. So I think I've come up with a pretty good system to, um, you know, of course, you got to buy Scriptable from the App Store if you want to create file and folder bookmarks. But for now, it's the only way if you want to do it on iOS alone. There's no other way. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty good system. And I think it's relatively easy. And I'm, uh, I hope that it was enough for your challenge, Ryan. Well, I sure hope so, because if not, then I don't. That oh man, I I think I feel like you deserve a trophy for this challenge, Federico. <laughs> like there's a task that that you yourself said no, that's not possible, and yet you found a way to do it. And this is something that I I mean I've never seen anyone else online create shortcuts that that do this. And I mean just the <laughs> the fact that it it makes it possible to have files and folders on your home screen like on a Mac desktop, I mean, that's that's something that has just never been possible before. And I, I'm so impressed. I if, if I could give you a trophy right now, I would well, I would give you. it to you. Um, I yeah, th this is fantastic. Thank you. My, my only complaint so far is that um, when you add a home screen icon, you, you and when you tap it, you still see for a fraction of a second the shortcuts app, app that launches. Uh, it's so much better than before. Like the whole system is so much more reliable. Home screen icons, uh, they open the shortcuts app directly. Uh, it's all new in iOS 13, and that's why we made Mac Story shortcuts icons because the whole deal is so so improved compared to last year. But still, in an ideal world, I would like these home screen shortcuts to run within the home screen without leaving the shortcuts app. So in this case, I would love if the icon launched directly the files app without even for like 0.3 seconds show me the shortcuts app. Uh, I would love if this was the case in the future. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you wanted to have files and folders on your home screen, this is the closest approximation to that that I think can be done for now. Yeah, I am going to be filling my home screen with files and folders. Nice. And I think lots of our listeners will too. So nice. Man, this is exciting. Oh, okay. We we should probably get to we've got a couple of ask adapt questions I think we have time for. 
And uh, so let's do that now. Uh, as a reminder to our listeners, you can write in with the hashtag AskAdapt on Twitter. That way we will see your question mm-hmm. and hopefully answer it in a future episode. Um, the first question we have comes from Corey, which has a little bit to do with what we've been talking about with files and folders. He says, I'd love for you to shed light on how iCloud Drive is supposed to work, or perhaps how Apple envisions iCloud Drive working on the iPad. He says, mm-hmm. I've tried to use it like Dropbox on a Mac, but when I do, it feels like the Files app and iCloud Drive are fighting against me. Can mm-hmm. you share your insights? I thought this was an interesting question because, I mean, the way that I use iCloud Drive in the Files app is very much like I would use Dropbox on a Mac or just the Finder on a Mac, with the caveat that the way Apple gives you no control of whether files are going to stay downloaded offline or not is a big negative. Um, you know, with with Dropbox, you can choose to have certain files and folders stay offline, and they stay offline. Um, the only way to really do that on an iPad is to put it in the on my iPad offline storage section of the Files app. But then it's not in iCloud Drive anymore, and so you can't access it on your other devices. I know that one feature of iPadOS 13 that was delayed until next year will help with this, which is file pinning. Um, so mm-hmm. there was an option during the betas this summer where you could pin certain files, which meant that they could be downloaded offline and stay offline. Uh, whereas currently, you can download files on demand, but then depending on how you know, whatever algorithms Apple has to determine whether files should stay on the device or whether they should, you know, be removed from the cache to free up storage space, um, it's it's not 100% reliable. So you might think that a file is downloaded, but then you get on an airplane and you have no access to the internet and, oh, look, your iPad and iCloud Drive decided to just keep it in the cloud again and remove it from the device mm. And so file pinning, when it comes next spring, uh, presumably maybe iPadOS 13.3 or 4, um, that, that should fix that issue. But as far as just yeah. the, the general way that you know, your files and folders are structured, um, for me personally, I use iCloud Drive on the iPad in the Files app, just like I might with Dropbox on a Mac. Um, do, you, do you have anything to add, Federico? Anything you do differently? Mm. Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue for me right now and why i'm still using dropbox is shared folders um so i really depend on that feature uh, especially for podcasting and also to share documents with john and and you know another and the relay fm guys um that's the main reason why i still use dropbox my suggestion would be to well what i do Besides now that I can have these launchers, what I do is I really use the favorites feature in the sidebar so that I, I frequently pin my most used folders uh, from all kinds of um, iCloud Drive directories in the favorites section. Uh, so that simplifies a lot of uh, you know back and forth between different, different uh, document directories and sandboxes. Otherwise, I the search I use search a bunch, especially because it's been improved in iOS 13. Now you have suggestions, and you can look directly into the contents of the current folder that you're in. But otherwise, I don't know. I I guess I'm just used to the files app at this point. Um, I, I can imagine how coming from a Mac, it can be a bit of a shock. And but my 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 problem is that the last time that I uh, performed this transition from the Finder to the iPad was like seven years ago, probably more. So I'm completely used to iCloud Drive and files at this point. But yeah, I would recommend using the favorites, using uh, search, using shortcuts, <laughs> which this is going to help, I bet, and uh, waiting for shared, fold- shared folders and, and file pinning. Also, uh, maybe this is going to be helpful, maybe not. But in, in iPadOS and iOS 13, you can select a different uh, downloads folder for Safari so that when you 
download documents from the web, by default, they can go into uh, iCloud Drive slash downloads, but you can choose any other download folder you want. Um, what I do, oh, see, this is a good tip, actually. So what I do, I've created years ago, I think, a folder that is called asterisk, bear with me, temp files. The asterisk is necessary so that it's always at the top of my iCloud Drive folder list. And this folder is where I throw anything that I come across that I need to process at a later date. It's the equivalent of my desktop on the Mac, essentially. So Safari downloads go there, random documents that I need to hold for a couple of minutes go there, all kinds of stuff goes there. And I've created a launcher for it. And because it's got the asterisk in the name, it's always at the top of the list. And it's always also at the top of my favorites. So the temp files folder, that's my, sort of my, my inbox for all kinds of documents and junk and random stuff. Uh, that's something that I started doing a couple of years ago, and it's been really helpful for me. All right. Our next question comes from Rob. He asks, are there any font provider apps allowing for customers to install fonts directly on iPadOS rather than using mm. the profile configuration method in the settings app, which has been around for a while? Mm. Um, yeah, so I have done some searching. And the only font provider app I have found on the App Store, which is where these new font provider apps live, is an app called Font Diner. And I am a little surprised that here we are, what, uh, almost two months into iPadOS 13? Mm, and yeah. I could not find any other font providers. I am expecting that whenever... Photoshop for iPad drops that Adobe is going to probably have a font provider app. But yeah, I'm surprised we don't have any more at this point. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what happened to those. I mean, Adobe, uh, another Japanese studio, I believe they're called maybe Murasawa or something like that. Uh, I, I believe Apple mentioned those and those boutique studios even were supposed to offer um, font providers. In iOS 13, the API is there. There's a font diner works. It's got the native stuff, the the, the new system wide font picker shipped. It's in there. It works, but those developers haven't brought those apps to the App Store yet. So I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure what happened, honestly. Okay, you need to give me a challenge, but I actually have a little real time follow up for us. So okay. as we've been recording. Uh, I saw a tweet from a developer named uh, Emmanuel, I believe the last name is Provisier. Sorry if I mispronounced that. But uh, Emmanuel is the developer of an app called Card Pointers. And he has been testing, and he has this video in his tweet, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, uh, he's been testing shortcuts on watchOS 6.1. And it oh works with parameters, uh, just yes. like we talked about. But it also does have a visual component to it and a touch interaction method where you, you so the example he gives, um, the shortcut runs and then a list, like a menu pulls up and you can tap on one of those options to select it or just use your voice. And so there definitely is a UI element to shortcuts on the Apple Watch. So that is really good news. That's excellent. Really nicely done. All right, so Ryan, my challenge for you, I thought about this. Um, it's a bit of a different challenge. I want you to explore the wild territory of calendar apps for iPad. I want you to go out there, explore the App Store, come back to me with some new options, sort of a state of the calendar apps. It's not exactly like a, like a difficult challenge, but I'm... Uh, I'm fascinated by the idea of you going out there and exploring, maybe trying apps that you that you never tried before. Because whenever I open the App Store, um, I always realize that I come across at least a couple of apps that have a lot of downloads, have a lot of ratings and reviews, but I've never actually tried them myself. I'm like, where was this app the whole time? So I'm very curious to hear what you discover. Um, especially, I want to know about calendar clients that support iPadOS 13. 
those shortcuts or multiple windows, you know, uh, keyboard navigation, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm looking, I'm in the market for a new calendar client. Uh, I want to know what you find out. Okay, sounds good. Hopefully I mm. will offer something just as helpful to you as your shortcuts today are <laughs> for me. Um, but I, I will do what I can. Awesome. Well, that has done it for this episode of Adapt. Uh, this has been episode 12. And if you would like to find the show notes for this episode, you'll find links to the shortcuts that Federico mentioned and a variety of other things, apps, um, different types of articles. They're all in the show notes. You can see those in the podcast app you're listening to right now or go to our website, relay.fm adapt slash 12. And if you'd like to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter is at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at iRyan, T-L-D-R, I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And you'll find both of us writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Bye.